Hello, my rebels. Interesting news about Chinese political interference in Canada. And even more interesting is Justin Trudeau's response. I'll play for you a couple of clips from his press conference today. Spoiler alert, you're a racist. Uh, but before we get to the show, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's a video version of this podcast, eight bucks a month, which I think is a bargain. And you get access to all the videos. So for example, today, when Trudeau calls you a racist, it's a video clip. I'd love you to see that video clip as opposed to just hearing it. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, eight bucks a month. Bob's your uncle. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, does China interfere in Canada's elections to benefit Trudeau? It's February 27th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Does China interfere in Canada's election to try to benefit Justin Trudeau? Well, there's actually really no denying that, that the answer is yes. Of course they interfere. They interfere in elections and they interfere the other 364 days a year too. The bigger question is, does their interference make a difference? As in, does China actually alter our Canadian election results? Then the biggest question is, what are we going to do about it? I mean, we know Trudeau himself won't do anything about it, but will anyone else... Just some background, Trudeau loves China, not the Republic of China called Taiwan, not the Chinese people or culture or language or history or food necessarily, no. He specifically admires the basic dictatorship of the Communist Party of China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Just to remind you, I mean, I think I show you that clip at least once a month. Do you think that clip is played even once a year on the mainstream media? I bet that clip has not been played in five years on the CBC. But it's not just Trudeau's ideological admiration for China's dictatorship. He values them for other reasons, too, including obviously political reasons. There are now more than 2 million Chinese Canadians. That is a huge voting bloc, especially in key cities like Vancouver and Toronto. Now, obviously, not all Chinese Canadians are pro-communist China. Many love Canada precisely because it is not communist. I don't know if uh, you recall, but there was a huge wave of Chinese immigration, including from people from Hong Kong who came over after the UK handed back that city to the communists in 1997. For 25 years, they might have seemed overcautious, but they were actually absolutely right, weren't they? Anyways, there are a number of electoral districts in Canada where the Chinese-Canadian vote is dominant, Richmond, B.C., for example, and also Don Valley North, which is in the greater Toronto area. According to the 2016 census, it is one of the three most Chinese ridings in Canada by ethnicity, and its MP is a Chinese-Canadian named Han Dong, and he's a liberal. Okay, no problem. 
But it turns out that Handong, according to CSIS, Canada Spy Agency, wasn't just a candidate for Justin Trudeau's Liberal Party. Turns out he was a candidate in Canada for the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, not literally, but he was their pick. They went to great lengths to get him elected as their man. Credit where credit is due, this news was broken by a mainstream media outlet. I guess once a year they go rogue and report on something that displeases Trudeau. So here's the report from Global News. Give them credit. Reliably read since 1993, scoring the Liberal nomination in Don Valley North has been harder than winning a general election recently. But instead of leaning on his connections as a former Ontario MPP, sources say Han Dong had help from the Chinese consulate in Toronto to become the 2019 Liberal candidate in the riding. Through a combination of CSIS documents and intelligence sources, Global News has learned the consulate allegedly sent two busloads of Chinese-Canadian seniors to the Don Valley North Liberal nomination meeting. And those seniors knew who to vote for because Don's name was written on their arm. Sources also say CSIS suspected that Chinese international students with faked addresses were bussed in and told by the PRC consulate to support their preferred candidate if they wanted to maintain their student visa status. Dong denied allegations he was helped by Beijing, calling them false accusations that slander me and the community I represent. My nomination in 2019 was open and followed the rules. The Liberal Party of Canada echoed that nomination was open, adding Dong was elected by registered Liberals in a race that followed their national rules. Global News has not verified the allegations against Dong, but even if they are found true, political parties are private organizations and can set their own rules. Non-Canadians can vote in Liberal nomination races if they live in the riding and are party members. This is Han Dong. I'm the Liberal candidate for Dong Island North. Dong won the nomination, but he still needed Justin Trudeau's stamp of approval to carry the Liberal banner in the suburban Toronto riding one with a sizable diaspora of Chinese Canadians. A senior intelligence official told Global News CSIS shared their concerns about Dong in late September 2019 during a classified briefing with senior Liberal Party staff who hold security clearances. In that meeting, CSIS urged them to rescind Dong's nomination. Despite the alleged warnings to his staff, Trudeau approved Dong's candidacy. During the election, a top Liberal organizer even warned Dong's team that he was allegedly a CSIS target, according to sources. Dong is still an MP today. Global News asked the Prime Minister's office multiple questions, including if Trudeau knew Dong was allegedly a CSIS target. But PMO didn't respond to any of our questions, saying there were so many factual inaccuracies that it wasn't possible to begin to answer any of them. <laughs> the nomination was open and followed the rules. Well, I suppose because what they said happened wasn't really against the rules. Bussing in voters threatening voters. That's not really against the rules, is it? The Liberal Party, no party would have rules like that. And that doesn't really answer the CSIS allegations, though, now does it? CSIS shared concerns to senior party staff and the Liberals, urging them to rescind, but Trudeau personally approved it. Imagine that. Imagine how bad it would have to be for CSIS to, in the thick of an election, say, whoa, 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 this is so bad, we've got to bring this to the attention of the Liberals. We've got to have Trudeau not sign the nomination and to be dismissed. How, how often does that happen? Do you think once every five years, once every 10 years that happens? But the Liberals didn't care. They just wanted to win. And frankly, I'm guessing there were other MPs in on it too. Maybe even Trudeau himself. <laughs> My favorite line was that the government 
refused to answer any of the questions. There were just so many inaccuracies. They couldn't rebut even just one. So many inaccuracies, but they wouldn't say what they were. Well, Handong put out a response. He said, in part, I strongly reject the insinuations in media reporting that allege I have played a role in offshore interference in these processes and will defend vigorously against such inaccurate and irresponsible claims. And I will support all fact-based efforts from parliamentarians to investigate alleged offshore interference and, if called upon, look forward to refuting these anonymous and unverified allegations. Well, uh, that's how far he was willing to go. But you know that Justin Trudeau can't give a press release with calling someone racist. And indeed, that's what he did. Here he is saying, uh, there's nothing to see here. And if you dare ask questions about Chinese interference, that is proof that you are a bigot. One of the things we've seen, unfortunately, over the past years is a rise um, in uh, anti-Asian racism linked to the pandemic uh, and concerns being raised uh, or arisen uh, around uh, people's loyalties. I want to make everyone understand fully that Han Dong uh, is an outstanding member of our team and suggestions that uh, he is uh, somehow not loyal to Canada um, should not be entertained. Much of what CSIS actually does in keeping Canadians safe involves protecting various diaspora communities from influence of uh, authoritarian governments around the world. We will continue to make sure we are working with CSIS to make sure that as every MP serves their community, that they do so in a way uh, that they are kept safe and that uh, is true to the Canadian values and the Canadian principles that we all stand by. Um, CSIS is active in fighting against foreign interference, and part of its tools for doing that is making sure that political parties and individual politicians are alert to uh, the potential influences they may be faced with. That is something we will continue to work closely with CSIS on uh, as we move forward, because not just our democracy needs to be protected in an abstract way, but the individuals choosing to serve their communities, who may be seen as greater targets uh, for various countries, uh, need to be protected as well. And that's what we work with CSIS on. That one line there was really weird. Democracy needs to be protected in an abstract way. I don't even understand what that means. In fact, I think democracy needs to be protected in a concrete way. In the particular case of Handong, we need to know exactly what was going on there. Here's another clip of Trudeau today. Take a look. As you well know, in the run-up to the 2019 election, uh, Canadians had already seen from uh, challenges to democracies like France or the United States, uh, the role that foreign interference uh, was potentially playing and a potential threat to our democracies. Uh, that's why in Canada in early 2019, we stood up both an intelligence task force and a high-level panel consisting of uh, top uh, public servants uh, to be able to ensure that the integrity of our elections uh, is not compromised by foreign interference. 
Good news, obviously, is that uh, they determined that both in the 2019 and the 2021 elections, our election integrity held. That doesn't mean that we are not faced on an ongoing basis by attempts at interference in our democracies, both during and before and after and ongoing uh, around the writ period and, and otherwise. That's why we're continually improving and learning how to better keep Canadians safe and to keep our democracy safe. Uh, after the 2019 election, which was the, which was the first time we stood up the panel, uh, there were a number of recommendations that we moved forward on. And after the 2021 election, there was another report, uh, this one written by Morris Rosenberg, uh, that uh, has been released to both the government and to the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians. Uh, and I'm hoping that they're going to be uh, launching a study on how best we can protect uh, our democracy uh, in the coming, uh, coming months. So it's not for the spy agency to make these decisions. It's for Justin Trudeau to, to weigh whether he really, really, really wants to win on the one hand versus the fact that it could be a Chinese spy. Trudeau shows which side he's on. He's being honest. I saw this in the Globe and Mail. Let me read the headline to you. Former Trudeau advisors call for public inquiry into China's election interference. The Globe and Mail has been doing good work on this. Also, I, I find it unusual that I'm, that I'm praising uh, the mainstream media so much. Former Trudeau advisors call for public inquiry into China's election interference. Let me read a little bit. Two former advisors to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, as well as the leader of the New Democrats, say that a nonpartisan public inquiry into Chinese state-directed interference into the 2019 and 2021 federal elections is warranted. Get this, though. However, Ward Elcock, a former director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service at CSIS, said he doesn't back such an inquiry because national security restrictions would mean that important testimony would have to be conducted in secret and many of the details and evidence could never be revealed to Canadians, as in he's saying it's so much worse than you even know. Most of those hearings are not going to be public, Mr. Elcock said in an interview with the Globe and Mail on Sunday. <laughs> You know, uh, I would like to know what's in the public domain, but I think just like the Trucker Commission of Inquiry, the important stuff would be kept secret. But there was another uh, person interviewed in the Globe Mail story, Richard Fadden, another former CSIS director who was National Security Advisor to Mr. Trudeau, told the Globe on Saturday that an inquiry would provide an objective examination to determine how extensive China's interference operations have been. I believe that a public inquiry is necessary because of the importance of the issues raised in the sense that few issues more directly affect our sovereignty than having another state interfere with our democratic process, Mr. Fadden said. This next one caught my eye. Gerald Butts, who was Mr. Trudeau's principal secretary until he resigned during the SNC-Lavalin affair in 2019, said Sunday that he too thinks a nonpartisan inquiry is necessary to look at the broad spectrum of foreign interference and not just China's activity. Hmm. Uh, Butts is for an inquiry. I, I wonder if, it, if he thinks he's going to be able to pick the judge like the liberals picked Paul Rouleau as the judge for the Trucker Commission. I'm almost done. Mr. Trudeau ruled out a public inquiry on Friday as requested by former Chief Electoral Officer Jean-Pierre Kingsley. 
Mr. Kingsley said an independent inquiry is necessary because Beijing directed interference operations in leaked secret and top secret thesis reports, which were viewed by the globe, threatened to undermine confidence in the electoral system. He said Canadians must be able to trust that the electoral process is not being tampered with by a foreign government. Mr. Trudeau said he was satisfied with the examination of Chinese interference operations now being conducted with the Commons Committee on Procedure and House Affairs, but Mr. Fadden said its work will be hampered because of partisanship and lack of access to secret intelligence reports. Well, that's why Trudeau likes them. Remember this liberal MP the other day saying, if you even ask about it, well, then you're just a Trump-like conspiracy theorist. Remember this? The information that has been reported in the media is extremely serious, but it's something that has never been denied by the fact that these reports have been tabled in the House of Commons. This is sadly not new information. The only thing that's new is the Conservatives, I guess, are not happy with the other business that PROC is doing. And they simply want to only talk about this because they have one candidate in particular that they feel this has been affected by. But foreign interference isn't about one candidate or 11 candidates. About, it's about Canadian institutions. And this is the same Trump-type tactics to question election results moving forward. But what I'm curious about was where were the conservatives after 2019? Where were they in 2020, 2021? And now only now they're raising it in 2023? This information has been tabled time and time again. It's something that all Canadians should be united about and nonpartisan about making sure our institutions are strong. But it only seems to be topical when conservatives feel that it's to their political benefit. Yeah, uh, I wonder if she'll be named to head the public inquiry by Justin Trudeau. Look, in a way, Han Dong is not the threat. He's a backbench MP from the greater Toronto area. There's a ton of liberal MPs in front of him in line for a cabinet position. Um, Han Dong is not the threat. He's a symptom of the threat. The problem, the threat, is Justin Trudeau, a man who would dismiss a ceases warning and say he doesn't care, and then a man who would say, this is a political decision for me to make, not a security decision. Hey, let me leave you with one thought on Justin Trudeau and Communist China. Remember I pointed out before that when that American magazine published the Trudeau blackface photos, other Canadian media rushed to publish photos they already had in hand, but just ideologically chose not to publish because they were protecting Trudeau. The CBC, Global News, they had their own pictures that they were holding back. Same thing with the case of Rose Knight, the reporter in Creston, BC, that Justin Trudeau sexually assaulted. That information was out there for a long time before one journalist asked about it in public. So let me ask you, Given how little vetting the mainstream media has done on Justin Trudeau, especially on issues that could put him in enormous trouble, almost blackmail him, whether it was drug use or sexual interference with women, those issues have been almost completely unreported. And when they were reported, you saw that other media had facts on hand. 
Do you doubt that the Communist Party of China, do you doubt that the dictatorship of China has the complete file on Justin Trudeau? Not only things that they themselves dug up, but things that they hacked. Do you doubt that China has absolutely terrifying blackmail material on Justin Trudeau? I'd believe it. And it sure would explain a lot of things, wouldn't it? Stay with us for more. Well, are you allowed to have a protest that blocks a street, that blocks a parliament building? Well, the obvious answer is depends on who you are. You might recall that for months, railroad tracks in Canada were blocked by I don't know more and a lot of Antifa types, and that was just fine by the powers that be. Black Lives Matter was allowed to protest in the middle of the lockdowns. In fact, Justin Trudeau himself turned out for the protests that would have been illegal if it were done by you or me or, say, a Christian church led by Arthur Pavlovsky. No gathering was the rule, except you were if you were a favored class. And, of course, the biggest case is the truckers who were the cause of the invocation of martial law. And, of course, peaceful protesters like Tamara Leach put in prison for 50 days for not exactly sure what. Well, I mention that because here comes the son of the trucker rally. It won't have as much grassroots support. It'll be an artificial constructed protest, but police aren't shutting it down. They're rolling out the red carpet. And that's because it's a left-wing protest and no one other than David Suzuki is their father figure. Joining us now via Skype is our friend Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter who has all the details. Now, Sheila, I was told the protests that shut down parliaments, that shut down roads, I was told that was a national emergency that required riot horses. What is this protest that's coming up at the Victoria legislature that's going to shut down roads and have a police response to protect them? Yeah, this is an environmentalist protest. Um and it's against old growth forest logging. And David Suzuki, that creation of the CBC, fruit fly geneticist, uh, who rebranded himself as Canada's leading environmentalist, he's in this like a dirty shirt. But I am, as you, as you are as well, reliably informed that blocking roads and causing traffic snarls amounts to terrorism in this country. And I don't think these environmentalists have the skills that truckers do, the logistic skills that truckers do to ensure that they will keep a lane of traffic open for emergency services vehicles, which is exactly what truckers did in Ottawa. I don't think that's going to happen here. And it's interesting to watch the news coverage of this or follow along with the news coverage of this, uh, because it's very clear that even when they try to do straight journalism, you can tell what side they fall down on. For example, CTV News uh, from Vancouver Island, they note, and it, it's clearly a warning to the people who plan to participate in this, additional police officers and surveillance cameras mm. will be deployed downtown for the duration of the protest. So what are they telling those people? Hide your identity if you don't want to be discovered? Hmm. I wonder if it'll be sort of your hippie eco-protesters, and there's a ton of them on Vancouver Island, or I wonder if there'll be any Antifa-style black block, which is that style where they cover themselves head to toe in black, they uh, obfuscate or uh, obscure their faces so they can't be identified. Do you think this is going to be a peaceful rally? I mean, Victoria is generally 
a laid back marijuana kind of town where people are going to be peaceful. Do you think it's going to be violent or do you think there's no point in being violent? Everyone there is on the same side, the media, the NDP, um, and the protesters. Really, it's just one big harmonious, you know, attaboy. Yeah, I don't know what they're protesting. <laughs> I really don't know what they're protesting because um, everybody's on the same side here. So, yeah, even if black block and anti black block and anti-fun anarchists show up, um, there's no need to get violent because it's just a bunch of people agreeing with each other. And, and it's interesting, again, to watch the media coverage of this, because, as you know, the environmentalist movement in this country is largely funded from outside of the country. Money comes from San Francisco through uh environmentalist mega charities. And I, I recall that some of that money for the anti-fracking movement um, is alleged to have come from Russia as uh, market share protection for their uh, state company Gazprom. And so you're not hearing a lot of saber rattling from the media about how this is a foreign funded protest. But boy, they were sure looking for Russians under the hood of every truck that was in Ottawa. That's a great point. You know, uh, Anders Fogh Rasmussen, who was the former head of NATO, said that Russian money was behind the anti-fracking activism in Europe. And he said it makes sense, obviously. That's how they got their market share, by uh, scaring Western countries to shut down their own natural gas so Russia could sell them theirs. Um I don't know. I, I think that that's obviously the case in Canada. It's not even hidden. If you look at where the Suzuki Foundation gets its money from, I haven't looked in a couple of years, but last time I looked at their income statement, they get about a million dollars a year from foreign meddlers. So th these are not organic protests. They're not individuals making the choice to protest as the truckers were. They're not volunteer protests as the truckers were. These are professionally stage-managed bought and paid for foreign-funded actions. And it's funny because you mentioned Justin Trudeau briefly. We've seen the interference in our elections from the government of China. Here's interference in our economy but from who knows where. Canada is a manipulated country where rich and powerful foreigners interfere with our democracy. And the only time I've ever heard the establishment talk about it was the absurd allegation that the truckers were being organized by Vladimir Putin. They never talk about actual interference by China or Russia to hurt our country. Yeah, it, that's literally the like the trucker movement was completely, as you say, organic grassroots people who were at a breaking point, And the catalyst for them was the completely unscientific cross-border vaccine mandate. And those were the foreign funded radicals. And they were accused of that without any proof by the CBC. And that was oft repeated over and over again to the point where it is just an accepted fact. But it's it is the complete misinformation about the convoy. And I talked about David Suzuki a little bit earlier because he has been out gathering up support for this this protest. And he called the trucker convoy. He he's you know, rounding up supporters, actual anarchists to support his anti-logging movement. But he's the guy who is calling the truckers anarchists when in fact it was the truckers who were wanting the rule of law to be applied for the Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to be accepted. Um, 
it's it's just bizarre how upside down everything is and how gaslit the public is by this sort of liberal media environmentalist complex. The thrust now. You go down to the corners in Vancouver now. There are signs. Recall EB. Have you seen that? This is a, the the it's a, a legacy of the truckers, the anti-vax movement, all of this stuff. And when you confront them, it's about freedom. Freedom without responsibility is not freedom, that's anarchy. And that's a rejection of society. So understand, we have a relationship that gives us responsibilities. And the problem we face today is that we have in very recently come out uh, removed ourselves from a web of relationships to thinking we live in a pyramid where we're at the top and everything down below is for us. And even when you hear, you know, we have forgotten that we are one animal species. We live on the surface of the land. We know nothing about what's in the oceans that cover 70% of the planet, and yet we've invaded over 85% of the oceans have already been invaded. We have taken over the land, which, which is our area of living. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have to look into it. I, I don't believe there's, I think that the NDP government uh, in British Columbia is so anti-development. Who knows? Maybe they have allowed some forestry to continue. I mean, a lot of those are unionized jobs, and there are some things uh, upon which the NDP says, well, maybe labor ought to work. It's sort of in the word labor. Um, but I think this is just, you know, the foreign paymasters want the puppets to dance, so the puppets will dance. We'll see. Be interesting to see uh, who exactly shows up. Sheila, great to see you again, and thanks for the update. Uh, you've been you've been watching David uh, Suzuki for years, including the book you wrote about him. Yes, I did. The book is called "The Case Against David Suzuki: An Unauthorized Biography," and I wrote it back in 2018. Uh, to ruin his very special day. You see, David Suzuki <laughs> was being given an honorary degree from the University of Alberta. And I thought it was incumbent on me to tell the story of who and what David Suzuki really is. He's an absolute creation of the CBC. He's a hypocrite and a bit of a weirdo. Uh, he's yeah. someone who has said that there are too many people on the face of the earth. He, he's a depopulationist but he's got five kids of his own. Hmm. He's somebody who says the oceans are rising, but he lives on the beach. <laughs> and, you know, he, he's got a property in Australia, so you can't fly, but he can circumnavigate the world to get to his vacation property in Australia. And there's some other weird behavior about insisting that he has young female security guards when he speaks on university campuses. The things the mainstream media won't tell you, the book is still on Amazon. It was a bestseller, and it did indeed ruin his big day when he was getting his honorary degree from a university that graduates a lot of people who go on to work in the technical engineering parts of the oil and gas industry. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that day. It was a disgrace for the U of A to give that to him. Sheila, keep up the fight. Great to see you. I will. Thanks, boss. All right. There you have it. Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter. Stay with us. More ahead. Your letters to me, Nelson says, hi, Ezra. When it comes to the AFD member of the European Parliament, I couldn't agree more with her opinions on Polyev 
Trudeau and Islam. She's not afraid to challenge the default narrative, which is always established by the left. And that's a key reason why freedom-loving individuals are always battling in total disadvantage against the established rules of engagement. The language has to be taken from the left, but that needs courage. That's a very difficult trait of character that the leader of the CPC seems to lack, given his track record of silence and complicity whenever fundamental questions such as the support for the Freedom Convoy arise. I'm originally from Cuba, and many of my fellow Cuban Canadians seem to expect 180-degree foreign policy change toward the Cuban regime. My suspicion is that someone who never raised the issue of aligning Canada-U.S. sanction vis-a-vis the regime in about 20 years as MP will not muster the courage to go against the status quo, which is the embargo hurts the Cuban people and only serves to radicalize the regime. All the best from a longtime follower. Well, thanks very much. Listen, Christine Anderson has some very tough beliefs when it comes to Islam. And you heard her say that in answer to Alexa Lavoie's questions. She takes Geert Wilder's point of view. He's the Dutch politician who says that any religion is a belief system, a philosophy, an ideology. And thus, any belief system, any religion can be criticized. And Christine Anderson, like Geert Wilders, criticizes Islam. They won't say things like, I respect Islam. They certainly won't say, I like Islam. They don't like it. And they draw a distinction between criticizing an idea and criticizing people. And they're always quick to point out they're not against Muslims who are people. They're against Islam, which is a belief system. That's one point of view, but it's fairly hard line. And I can understand why that might make Pierre Polyev uncomfortable. There's more than a million Muslim Canadians, many of whom take the uh, Quran and Islam quite seriously. Another point of view, which is more pragmatic, perhaps, is that of Daniel Pipes. I mentioned this on Friday. Pipes says the problem is radical Islam and the solution is moderate Islam because there's a million Muslims in Canada and a billion or more around the world. They're not just going to stop being because you don't like them. How can one remove the radical parts, the extreme parts and the violent parts and strengthen progressive or moderate Islam, including the role of women, treatment of other religions? That's a big question that won't be answered soon. But Christine Anderson and MPs like her in in the European Parliament are able to express themselves there. And I think that the problem was Pierre Polyev overreacted. I think he, he poured fuel on the fire. And I think he turned it into both a racism scandal for the party that would have been ignored otherwise. And he undermined support from people who really look up to Leslie Lewis and the other MPs that Polyev condemned. I think it was mishandling a, a, a tough situation, perhaps, but I think he, it was mishandled. And the choice of language used by Polyev, I don't believe Polyev wrote the condemnation. I believe it was written by a staffer. It could have been written by Justin Trudeau. Sonny says, Hiya, Ezra, I love you, but I think you're wrong about Diagonal. I really doubt that they are paid by the liberals. You may as well say the danger cats are paid by the liberals. As SDA Kate says, mischief is important. I know you're a serious fellow, but people need non-serious things too. I love everything about you and the rebels do. You're my hero, but lighten up a little, brother. Love from the USA. Well, thanks for all the love. I really appreciate that. But look, there's no doubt that that diagonal and their flag and their goofy homemade salute, I don't doubt that they could well be a prank or a send-up. But that's an inside joke that no one else gets. And that picture of Christine Anderson with that weird salute in front of the diagonal flag, that was published extremely widely. 
And no one got the joke other than maybe one or two people who were in on it. And Christine Anderson, again, you saw her telling Alexa, well, that was a joke and I'm don't regret joking. If no one knows it's a joke and you're not there to tell them it's a joke and all they see is you doing some weird salute with a weird flag that looks faintly fascist, the joke's not pretty funny. And that's why I think that the Diagonal was a creation of the left. There's not enough real hate or extremism in Canada. They have to gin it up. I bet it'll turn out that that was a, a false flag. Just like the Heritage Front, it later turned out, was run by CSIS. Grant Bristow, the Her not Heritage Front, Heritage Front, sorry, which was an anti-Semitic group, their leader was a CSIS agent because there just wasn't enough real hatred in Canada to please the hate police. D.C. McIntosh says, Member of the European Parliament, Christine Anderson, called out PM Trudeau's actions in a clear manner and is to be applauded for it. However, when she said, I do not consider Islam to be a religion, she was wrong. It clearly is, and while aspects of it are open to valid criticism, denying the faith of so many is illogical and political suicide. Polyev was right in saying it could would have been better if she had not visited. Let's not give Mr. Trudeau any ammunition in saying the right or purveyors of Islamophobia. Well, that's the point I was making earlier, which is she said, I don't believe or respect or like the ideology called Islam. And that is a hard thing for anyone to take if they're Muslim, of course. It would be a hard thing for Christians to take, even though it said quite a lot there. I mean, anti-Christian bigotry is rampant. It's, it's the official religion is anti-Christianity, I think. Um, and again, Pierre Polyev wants to win the next election. He was probably frustrated at this um, unforced error was made. But I, my contention is although Christine Anderson goes further than Canadian conservatives would in dealing with Islam, I think that this was a tempest in a teapot that was being pushed only by two people, Warren Kinsella of the Liberal War Room and Brian Lelly of the Doug Ford War Room. And it wasn't until Pierre Polyev's staff overreacted that it flared up. That's my view. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm.